Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Untold Hour. There's two voices on that. Hello, I'm back. Yay, I'm so glad to be home temporarily for one month before I have to leave for two more months again. (laughs) Wow, welcome back, Jess. Thank you. I feel like you've probably lived a thousand lives since we've last spoken. I kind of have. Yeah. I kind of have. Nothing actually... um, Nothing crazy. So, okay, let me start this off by uh, acknowledging that I'm going to have to speak in a specific type of code because technically what I am about to talk about does not yet exist. Yes. Um, and, uh, and uh, I, you know, because of that, I have to be careful. That being said, remember last year when I went on a really long trip out overseas to a bunch of different countries doing crazy stuff? Um, that, that trip had, was like double pronged in the sense that not only subject matter wise, were we exploring weird things, but, um, part two to that was that we were traveling to so many different countries, um, in such extreme areas, uh, like off the beaten tourist path part that the second part of that was like, you'd have like strange stuff strange in the sense that they're just not used to it strange stuff happened to you on the daily weird experiences weird things that you would see like big culture shock moments you know this has been um a lot i would say easier in the sense that it's no longer double pronged because we just are you know traveling around the u.s in a car like it was basically one gigantic road trip so um so it's been uh it's been like I don't have any crazy, real crazy stories to tell from the road kind of things. Um, all the really good stuff I need to save for actual content. But um, let me say I'm I am ninety nine point nine percent positive. And the only reason I'm one percent off is because there's always that lingering doubt in the back of your mind that hmm maybe it's something else. But I am like. positive that I actually saw a ghost in the sense that... Oh, I knew you were going to say ghost. I was like, Bigfoot, alien? No, in the sense that stuff... Oh, my God, I just saw your Michael Myers masks, like, profile. Oh, yeah, sorry. He's just chilling back here. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Um, I saw stuff that I truly can't explain other than the fact that it had to have been a haunting like it was it's like i and i also you know i've always wondered like like i've had some things that have dabbled in it where i've like gotten scared but i've never freaked out freaked out hard like even when you and i were doing the bizarre state stuff in the basement and the door slammed on its own like things like that you know and i and i'd like pause and i freak out a little bit but i don't like lose my mind i I've always wondered if I come face to face with something hardcore enough like that, what am I going to do? And the answer is completely scream like a scared little girl and run out of there as fast as possible. Wow. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question. And if you can't answer it, you just say, I plead the fifth. Mm -hmm. 
was... Oh, that's a good segue into what I want to talk about next. Was uh, the experience something moving? Was it something... Was it an audible sound? Was it a visual? Was it an apparition? What world was it in when it comes to a haunting? I'm going to plead the fifth. Okay. But I'm going to say it was two of those three things that you referenced. Ooh, interesting. Uh-huh. And a whole lot of ectoplasm. Yeah, yeah. I got slimed. I got slimed. Wow. It was Ooh, honestly I, I was know. just at a, a I was just at a Nickelodeon stage and somebody dumped a bunch of slime on me. Yeah. Um, I can't you can't do that on television. Exactly. Which I wonder how many people when they watch Nickelodeon like kids awards know where the slime getting slimed actually comes from. I know. I don't know if they I don't do. Think they know. No, I don't know if they do. I work with some young people and the way they talk about like anything uh, prior to the year 1999 is, you know, as if they're on an archaeological dig, unearthing yeah. details inside of a cave somewhere. They they don't know where anything came from. Yeah. And I sound 60 years old saying that, but it's true. Yeah, but you're also, you're still pretty young, right? How old are you now? I'm 38 now. Oh, no, you're getting near, you're exactly. getting to the edge. I'm getting there. I'm getting where, yeah, where I start what? to sound like a crazy old man sitting on a porch yeah, uh, yeah, telling people that you don't know what it was like. But I will say there was a time when we were young and we were all like somewhat hipsters that if you did discover something you liked, you had to know everything about that thing. Yeah. And so you would know the background on it as well. And I feel like that, with the exception of like, a, you know, I guess it, I guess it depends on who the person is. I just feel like that like hipster need to know the band before it was cool knowledge base is what kept those kind of old like 90s references alive and now just nobody cares about it well and i think uh i was having this conversation with someone the other day um oh gosh it's hard to explain but it's almost like because now the information is so accessible it actually makes people not seek it out you know like uh yeah i had a, i had someone the other day tell me um they didn't know eddie murphy did stand up comedy they just thought he was the dad from haunted mansion oh my god that hurts my soul yeah and uh and and so i would think well why wouldn't you know everything about everything when it's so accessible whereas when we were teenagers you know the only way for me to like w- watch Jack Nicholson movies was to go and rent and watch every single one. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, wait for a, a, a magazine to come around that kind of had trivia or information in it. But I, I sought it out fervently. But now it's kind of like, because it's at your fingertips, I don't think people are actually digging. They could watch anything and they could consume anything. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. It caused like a uh, a weird singularity that actually is devoid of information. Yeah. Yeah, and the overwhelmingness to access. Everybody just decided they didn't need to know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. So there's that. So segue into um, pleading the fifth. So I'm on the road. Like, listen, it was not as two-pronged as it was last time. So a lot of the stressors of traveling around a lot uh, was eased. You know, you always know you can go to a Chick-fil-A and get food. You always know where to go to get, you know, groceries. You, but the, the, the COVID of it all didn't, didn't add a prong to it. I would think that would add well, a whole new prong. You know, it did in the sense that we all had to get, we obviously all got tested before we left. Um, there were a couple occasions where we had people multiply tested because we were in hot zones. 
Um, we all wore masks, uh, except for when we were filming. And when we were filming, we always tried to stay six feet away from any, but any other guest because yeah. we were traveling in a bubble. Uh, any other guest, um, if possible, that be, and we had to always do those interviews outside. Uh-huh. Uh, and those were only interviews that we did if we needed, um, if we couldn't like work out a Skype situation. Yeah. Because I will say everywhere we went had really bad Wi-Fi. But anyway, um, really bad internet. But um, so we actually kind of got into the rhythm of being COVID aware, like hyper COVID aware without being hyper COVID aware. It was this really weird Interesting. thing. Like where it just kind of became natural. Supernatural. Yeah. Like just always would have my mask on me. Um, tra- and uh, like the big risk was like traveling the travel part, you know, because obviously we were in the car together and we would always drive with our own car buddy. So we always, you know, it was only us, our germs in the car. Yeah. Um, but you know, you got to stop and get gas. People got to go to the bathroom. You got to get food. Like even, even like doing all that. Um, we just were, you just, start developing this instinct to okay let's get our masks on walk in don't touch our faces after we touch stuff go to the bathroom do whatever obviously wash your hands but then there's a million things you touch on your way out especially if you're at like a gas station bathroom and you got to buy things yeah and it would just be like you know you just get in the car and the first thing you would do would be disinfect your hands and wipe down the steering wheel and like yeah and then you're good like so it became this weird um this weird like way of adapting that after a while we did it so often because we were stopping in so many different towns and we were traveling so much that it just became like second Second nature. nature, Yeah. Even in LA, that's, that's kind of how it's gotten. I remember in the beginning, you know, somebody would come by to do work on the house or interact with me on some level and they'd forget their mask in the car or they'd be like, Oh, Hey, what are your rules? Do Do you stay six feet apart? Are you, but now it's like, I haven't, you know, no one's dropped the ball. Every, every person I've interacted with is on the same page mask yeah. on they, they, we don't there's not even a thought of a handshake or if it's a friend a hug goodbye <laughs> like we yeah everything kinda, is just kind of set in place i kind of like it like this yeah. is the first year that i've never had multiple like lung destroying sinus infections yeah and coughs like every year i get um some sort of weird like bronchitis and it doesn't happen it just I just so far i'm like i'm digging it i'm digging not like having to hug everybody even people i just met because hello it's la <laughs> and that's what everybody fucking does and it drives me nuts even though i've had to adapt and do it mm-hmm. um i do miss hugging friends but they're friends so i mean it's not like they don't get it so yeah <laughs> like yeah it's fine I, well, I kind of like i'm not saying i'm enjoying my time in covid but i would say i've managed to adapt a lot better than i thought yeah i had and it was kind of like having to do that on the road um in a protective bubble was kind of the best way to do it because it was always on your mind with not being on your mind you know what i mean yeah like you were always with the groups you always had to think about it but then you were also with each other all the time so you had moments of being able to relax i don't know it's hard to explain well what was your plead the fifth uh connection were you going into? yeah i mean big time tangent here but i guess i've been on the road so hopefully untoldians are are down here my random ramblings um let me say uh let me start off with something positive out of traveling across the country idaho and vermont are now two of my favorite states just because they're beautiful oh wow beautiful 
Idaho is gorgeous. We passed through so many unique historic landmarks just driving kind of these semi back roads. I mean, that was great because the places we were going were so far off the beaten path that we'd end up on these like, like talk about small town USA. I mean, it was fantastic. Vermont um, was awesome. I loved it there so much that if for whatever reason, you know, we get stuck in the United States forever and not able to move overseas or do whatever it is that we want to do, I am going to push hard to move to Vermont. Yeah. I went to Gettysburg. Yeah. I can talk I all about that. Yeah. I can talk about Gettysburg all I want because that was not a part of what we were shooting. That was just like me driving by and being like, oh, let's pull over and hang out for the day at Gettysburg. That's great. So uh, Gettysburg was amazing. Like Johnny LaQuasto. Remember of Johnny? Course. Like I got to, it's, yeah, I get it now. Like I get it. Like it's crazy Yeah. Anytime I've been there, it's just palpable. Totally. Like I had numerous presence. times on the battlefield, I would get um, weird chills. And then, um, so yeah, I'm happy. Let's talk about that some more too, because I also managed to find out I had a great ancestor, a great, 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 great uncle that fought in Gettysburg. Oh, wow. You so didn't know I had no, previously? no idea. No. So I texted my dad and I'm like, hey, I'm in Gettysburg because my dad loves to hear. He loves, you know, Bizarre States. He loves the Untold Hour. He likes the yeah. um, the road trip, the spooky of it all. And so I was texting him and telling him like, hey, I was in Gettysburg. And, you know, we used to live in that area at one point growing up, not Gettysburg specifically, but out in West Virginia. And uh, my dad was like, um, my dad was like, oh yeah, well, you know, you have a great, great, great uncle or however many greats uncle that mm-hmm. fought there. And I was oh, like, what? Wow. And so now I'm like bar- part of ancestry.com and yeah. I've like started to unhook all these leaves. I've found out all this great shit. So anyway, happy to talk about that. But, um, those were some of the most amazing things. Like I ran into this, I just randomly stopped at this roadside cafe because they were advertising huckleberry milkshakes. And I was like, no <laughs> fucking way. Am I not getting one of those? And I walk inside and out in the back, they have this huge humidor that has a bunch of um, Hemingway books and writings in it and all this wow. stuff that Hemingway owned. And I asked the owner, I'm like, what's the deal with the Hemingway display? And it's all like original stuff, like his actual writings. And it was like personalized writings on the inside of these books. And he's like, oh, my dad was a big friend of Hemingway's because Hemingway would come here to go fishing. And oh, we're wow. out in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, like what? That's uh, cool. There's no, like I hadn't passed a gas station in like five, like, you know, five hours. Yeah. And I happened to just stop at this one-stop shop that's out of desperation for a Huckleberry milkshake. And that's like a hub for old, like Hemingway stuff. That's wild. So just shit like that kept yeah. popping up. And it kind of, it made this, like with all the shit that's happening in the U.S. right now, it kind of made me reappreciate the country as a landmark, you know, like as a, as like his, I don't know. I don't know how I'm trying to say it just, it had history there that reminded me of the fun that can still be found in the U S right. <laughs> which was a nice reminder. Um, because otherwise I was just always on Twitter watching everything explode. Of course. So, well, that the U S is more than what Donald Trump has made of it. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that must have been nice to kind of reconnect with uh, the country on a more nuanced level because yeah. I've only like, been interacting stop- with it on a kind of broad 
level, you know, bird's eye Twitter level that is mostly shitty. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I've I've actually I would say I had the most romanticized cross-country road trip as you could possibly have in yeah. the sense that it was just, let's just go, pull over when we want to pull over. Luckily, I was riding with somebody that was very good and interested in history. So anytime we saw a historical marker, if it didn't take us too far off of our, you know, we, you know, our time allotment, we would just pull over and look at it. So I found like That's this cool. old marker for one of the original stands for the pony express hmm. and we found like george washington's brother's mansion with the family burial ground at the back of the estate you know like yeah. we just went on these rando trips cool. um so it was a very romanticized uh road trip one that I, like i would absolutely do again we were on like oregon trail we did Lewis and Clark Trail for a while. Like it just, it was just a really cool reminder. Like, oh, there's a lot of great history here that you forget when you're in a Twitter hole. Yeah. And it did make me, um, I think I'm going to pull back on Twitter quite a bit because like sure. being on the road, I didn't have the time to access it and like respond as much as I normally do. So anyway, long story short, again, the reason I was complaining about, um, or saying uh, I plead the fifth is because, so I do this huge road trip, right? I'm gone for two months. And while as lovely as we are talking about it, it's still very, very hard. It's hard to be gone that long. Obviously things are really weird at home because of COVID. Blair's working his full-time job, but now he's also technically a single dad and our kid is in the house all the time because yeah. he's got homeschooling. So we had to balance that out. Like there's a lot of additional pressures that, um, take away from the joy of that. Plus these are extremely physically demanding shoots, especially for me. I think people forget I'm as old as I am, um, <laughs> which causes a bit of a problem because listen, I'm thin, but I wouldn't say I'm healthy and <laughs> I look young. Not with all those huckleberry milkshakes. Not all those huckleberry milkshakes. Um, I look young, but I'm 43, you know, like, yeah it's hard for me to climb up the side of mountains and do these things. So it's a very physically demanding test. So when it gets to the point where I can come home and decompress, um, cause we're like shooting 12 to like 12 hour days easily every day for like, for like two months straight, we get yeah. one, you know, we get a couple days off here and there, but for the most part, you just work. It's just work for two months. So I have one month where I can now come home and de decompress and do my thing. And I took a brief moment to um, stop by Detroit because I've, uh, I had a layover there and then I hopped over here. So that took like, basically what I'm trying to get to is like, I, I, I could have gotten home a little earlier, but I, I straggled in like a couple of days after our official day off happened. So I only got my mail like slightly late when I got back in over the course of the two months. And of course there is a federal summons to go to uh, jury duty for the entire month of September. Oh my God. Starting on Monday. And I'm like, I'm going to roll in there and be like, I, you know what? Listen, motherfuckers. Yeah. I am going to find whoever's here guilty, no matter what. <laughs> just like, unless right. you let me go and not do jury duty. That's oh, a lie. I wouldn't gosh. do that. But I'm just so irritated. It's like the last thing I want to do is any fucking favors for the federal government right now, right. including jury duty. 
And, uh, and all I want after those two months of just like such hard work, all I want to do is nothing. I just want to play my video game and sit at home and do like podcasts and have fun. And I have to go in and do this fucking jury duty. So I don't know. I'm pretty pissed about it. Hopefully they don't pick me because I'm going to rage. Right. I will rage right there in the middle. I will be like, fuck you. Fuck all of you. (laughs) And they'll be like, we're going to put you in jail. I'll be like, good. That means I don't have to do jury duty. Yeah. Well, the entire time you've been gone, obviously you've been missed. And every episode that's passed, I've I've told people I'm going to do listener stories. And every episode came and went, and I never did a single listener story, even though I teased it, I think, every week. So today we're going to do some listener mm-hmm. stories to hopefully make up for my, for my uh, lack of in that yeah. department. I've been rambling for almost 30 minutes. Let me tell you my Gettysburg story. Yeah, I want to hear as much as you can tell me about Gettysburg. It's a it's a short one anyway. So so we're driving along and I decide, oh, Gettysburg is right there. I've always wanted to see it. Uh, let's just pull over and check it out. So we do. And it's shut down in the sense that there's, you know, all of the rest stops are closed and yeah. like the main visitor center is closed. But they do allow you to have, and this is actually a heads up for most of the people out there doing any kind of major road trip on a, a trail, like a Lewis and Clark trail or an Oregon trail trail. Yeah is that there's a lot of apps that are history apps that will give you um, like a play-by-play oh, based like on what location oh, settings cool. in that area. So like while we were driving around, I would download the Lois and Clark trail app and listen to the history as we were passing these markers. And uh, you know, it's not the best. It's, it's offered by the National Park Service, but it's also not the worst. I, I say that I should have maybe started with National Park Service and then <laughs> said it's not the best, it's not the worst. They do a good, as good of a job as you possibly can, I guess, um, considering limitations. But, um, but Gettysburg in particular was very well done. And uh, it was very interesting. I'm just giving everybody a heads up that if you go there, you have to essentially stay in your car unless it's very empty, in which our case it was because we were there on like a Wednesday morning. Yeah. Um, And then if you feel comfortable, you can walk around, just make sure and wear a mask. So um, and we did that and that was great. And we spent a lot of time just kind of walking around. And then you get to where the main um, line was. The South kind of pushed at the North. Mm And what's the, there's a point, there's like an area that they've sectioned off where they have all the trees that were there during the Civil War protected by a gate. Hmm. I think they called it the high water, high water mark. And that's where the two lines confronted each other, Mm -hmm. I believe, and where the North was able to push the South back. And when you see it, and, you, and you're hearing the history, it makes more sense. Like you can put context to it then because yeah. otherwise it's just kind of this grandiose war in your mind and you don't, you don't know the scale of things. And when you see it up close like that, you're like, oh, whoa, these guys were like face to face on the, ba- like super face to face on the battlefield. The North was really close to losing the high ground. Like they, it was yeah. really, like it was really, really, close and it just like that really surprised and cemented it for me and it's also just cool to see the history that they kept the high water mark intact and a lot of that area looks almost exactly the same as back when they actually had the battle so yeah so i text my dad i'm like hey i'm at gettysburg i'm just walking around checking things out 
And he's like, oh, by the way, did you know you have a great, 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 great uncle there? That's wild. My, you didn't know that before. On my dad's side. Yeah. And I was, and I said the same thing to him. I'm like, um, hello, why wouldn't you share that yeah. with us? And I guess he had just recently found out become, because they've started to do Ancestry.com. Oh, cool. And uh, so he mentioned it, but he was able to find out the guy's name and what battalion he was in. And so then he was one of, he basically was a part of a New York battalion that, um, so he would do cannons <clears throat> and, uh, and he, and, uh, him and his group, um, fought against and get this because I'm married to Blair. Now this is what really made me laugh. Him and his group fought against, um, some people from Louisiana. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. So I'm like, Ooh, I married the enemy, but, um, so I looked it up then. I found his memorial, like his division's memorial, and I found an old photo of all the survivors that um, survived Gettysburg from that division. There's like one photo out there that I'm aware of, and uh, he might be in that picture. Oh, so wow. I contact because it was the survivors had all come together when they had dedicated the memorial to them at Gettysburg, all the remaining survivors came and posed with the memorial for this picture. So I tried to contact the museum. Like, so my dad didn't know about any of this. He didn't sit, find the picture or anything. So I tried to contact the museum and I asked the museum that ran the photo, Hey, I'm such and such. I think such and such person is maybe a descendant. Um, can you, is there like names written on the back or is there names written on the bottom as to who's who in this photo? Yeah. Because it's such an old photo. You can't really tell. Plus everybody loved really, really, really long beards back then. So, so they all look like the, the same. They all look like the same fucking person. Yeah. So um, just dudes with beards. It's basically like now, but you know, not. Was there a specific spot when you were, I mean, I know you talked about the high watermark line. Was there any other spot where you just felt kind of a palpable supernatural weight? Um, in general, walking around, all of it found felt a little creepy. Yeah. Uh, because you just you like you you just saw how massive it was and how how big this battle was, and it just in general the whole area felt weird. Like the whole general area felt heavy. But I only got shivers and actual like goosebumps for no reason. I mean, it was a hot day too, walking along, like right by that high watermark line. It wasn't right mm -hmm. in front of it. It was more like up and to the right. And all of a sudden I just was like, whoo, like it got weird. Yeah. And it was, that was it. Like there was no other additional signs or vibes or wind moving or anything that might be like yeah. an indicator of, hey, this is, this is, you should be, you know, your subconscious should be aware of what's going on here. It literally was just, I was standing there and I was fine. And then the next minute I got like these really like creepy, like somebody was watching me or like right behind, you know, that, that yeah. feeling of like, oh, something's right behind me kind of vibe. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, I was there just a few years ago and that's just how it felt. It just felt like, yeah, there, you weren't really ever alone. Mm-hmm. Um, we also ended up running into, there was a park ranger there at the cemetery. So the cemetery, I mean, I've already gone way over my 1130 minutes. Um, I'll, I'll make the, I'll try to make this short. So the cemetery 
the Gettysburg Cemetery, where Lincoln held the Gettysburg Address, most people don't realize that it was actually already a cemetery before Lincoln was there. So it was the town cemetery, and they still have that section up. So it's basically kind of split, where there's one side that's a town cemetery, and the other side's a military cemetery. Um, although they, I think they've opened it up to, to a national cemetery. Um, um, and in the, in the cemetery, they have some cannons on display. And he said, you can always find out which, which side the cannons were used for because the North side all had the mouth of their cannons stamped hmm. with model, make and number and like where it was, uh, purchased from and the South did not, I believe they only have Northern cannons in the national cemetery for Gettysburg, but a lot of them were made by Paul Revere's company. So Paul Revere actually had a company that would make these and he, his company is still in business and now they currently make pots and pans. Really? So you can actually buy pots and pans from Paul Revere's (laughs) company. I had no idea. (laughs) But they also made some of the Northern cannons. So that's how you can tell is like looking on the mouth of the cannons, like all of that stuff. And then I guess the guy also said that there's one one or two Southern soldiers buried in the cemetery. And one of them, I can't remember why he was, but then the other one was an unknown soldier that some lady in the 70s was walking her dog along the train tracks and saw a, per, like, a human hand or something coming out of the dirt. Wow. And uh, they dug him up, realized he was an old soldier that had just kind of like, you know, the dirt wore yeah. away and he eventually made his way to the top. So they didn't know who he was. So they buried him in the cemetery. And then somehow they discovered that he was part of the South. And so um, there was debate amongst the town's folk about, well, well should we unbury him and re- like rebury him somewhere else? He shouldn't be in the cemetery. And then they were like, no, nah, he, you know, he was a soldier. So, you know, we're going to leave him in here and he's already been buried here for so many years. Yeah. So let's just le- leave him. So, uh, yeah, just like little tidbits and interesting facts like that. Wow. Man, but I'm going to buy pots and pans from Paul. Yeah, d- yeah now, for sure. Right. Uh huh. You got a fancy teacup today. Oh, this is my teacup. Well, we're not going to use the I'm, we're not going to use the video for this because because um, I look like garbage. But uh, the teacup is my uh, my I don't know if you can see those little black marks yeah. in there. That's my fortune telling teacup. Oh yeah, I can it's see that. It's filled with coffee and Stroop waffle liqueur. Whoa, that's right. It's fucking great. All right, all right. <laughs> enough about my meandering, uh, weird travel stuff well i can't wait to hear more end it all yeah let me just end it all with i'm glad to be back i think um it's gonna be a good month minus the jury duty hopefully i get out of it i'd love to i can't wait to have coffee and sit down with you guys and come up with plans for um what we're gonna do next with the podcast i've got uh i've got a lot of great ideas that i've been thinking about on the road that i think are gonna be fun for everybody and yeah just that it'll be cool oh can i just say also that i'm so glad we decided to do this before covid hit I'm glad we decided to launch. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Right. Because we almost didn't. And I was like, nah, we should do it anyway. It's just like, it's how hard is it to do a podcast from home? Yeah. Like, oh, it's great. Also, thank you, sir, for holding down the fort oh, on your you're own. Welcome. Well, I was gone. I <laughs> greatly appreciate it. Everybody loved it. I thought you did an excellent job. Thank you. And, uh, and yeah. Well, we had some fun you. guests and uh, it was is rather varied which was cool we did a lot of horror talk but we did a lot of true crime we did we did a cryptid episode so yeah we ran the gamut and uh and it was a lot of fun i'm interested or i'm like into it (laughs) yeah and i'm interested too but one thing we didn't do was listener stories (laughs) yes so we're gonna do those now Okay, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I have one titled, A Shadow Person Tried to Steal My Body. (laughs) Uh, I shouldn't laugh. That's awful. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why it immediately elicited laughter. Um, Hey, Jess, Bowser, and Aristotle. My name is Katie, and yes, you can use it. My story happened back in college. I lived in an off-campus housing after my freshman year, which was made up of a neighborhood of houses from the early 1900s that were chopped up into apartments for three to six students. There were a couple of spooky things about the house, mostly a feeling of being chased anytime you came up the basement stairs, and a ghost my roommate saw, but I didn't. One morning, I woke up in my bed, unable to move or open my eyes. I could sense a female presence at the foot of my bed, but I couldn't open my eyes to see anything. The blankets were pulled tight around me, and I could feel myself being pulled towards the foot of the bed, though my body didn't move. I knew something, I knew, I knew somehow that something bad would happen if I reached the edge of the bed. So I resisted the pull as hard as I could, and suddenly the presence was gone. The blankets were loose around me, and I could move again. I told my roommate about it. We smudged and cleansed the entire house, and I never felt the presence again. Huh. Love the podcast and the Facebook group. I'm so glad y'all are back. Yay! Wow. I didn't know. I thought it was going to be Shadow Person tried to possess my body, Steve, but they meant literally drag your body out of the bed. Yeah. I thought it was a possession yeah. for a while. And um, then I was like, oh, okay. Right. I don't know which one is, is more terrifying, honestly, because the idea of getting dragged out of your bed is uh, is just as terrifying as getting possessed. I've never experienced a shadow person. I know we've talked about this, but I did have a, like a waking nightmare once that kind of was similar to this listener story where it felt like I wasn't dreaming anymore, but there was a shadowy figure like pushing me down into the bed. and it, That sounds like classic shadow person. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but uh, And maybe it is. I, I guess I, I just think of it as a dream but it really was half awake half asleep and um but it wasn't a shadow it's hard to explain i could see clothes on this figure but i mm-hmm. couldn't really make out their facial features so maybe it was almost like a shadow person in wardrobe but um but i remember being pressed down into the bed and thinking how much further can i like am i just going to be pushed into the bed and i did i just kind of started to sink like beyond the Oof the depth of the bed it was a very weird sensation that is and then weird. i woke up screaming jesus all right so here's where mine is from i don't okay so i just so for so people know 
I have recently started a personal Discord, and in that Discord, I've added a section for um, Untold Hour, and within the Untold Hour section, I've offered up a section saying, share your stories with us. So if you have any desire gotcha. to join this, I'll give you information at the end of the show when we have our sign-off. Bowser, I still need to get you I on know. here if you're interested. I am. Um, I just don't know what Discord is, but yes. It's, it's actually, you know, I was fearful of it at first. I actually enjoy it a lot more than any other social media stuff I have, with the exception of Instagram, because I love it, um, because you're able to keep a lot of control over the content that okay. you put out and see on a personal level. And it's more of like, it's it's basically like our Facebook group page, but yeah, more condensed. Right. Um, Anyway, so I had uh, posted about this on my socials and stuff about starting this Untold Hour uh, channel, and I've gotten a lot of responses. So that's where my ghost story listener stories okay. are coming from. So this one is from, I think it's Thicker or Thiker. <laughs> he says, I'm going to get this started. This was actually the first story shared on the page. Uh, when I was 15, my family and I vacationed in a very small town in the mountains of Portugal with some extended family. We stayed in my dad's cousin's house. Six out of seven of us, two parents and four kids, stayed in one large attic space that had been converted to a large guest room with multiple beds and couches. Around 1 a.m., I woke up to the sounds of dozens of dogs barking in the area and a bright red light shining through the windows. Looking outside, the light seemed to source... Looking out... Oh, I'm sorry. There should have been a comma. Looking outside... The light seemed sourceless, and there weren't any dogs in sight, but their barking only grew louder and more insistent. I fled back to bed, convinced I was about to be abducted by aliens, and as soon as I climbed back into the bed, the light went out and the dogs abruptly stopped barking. Upon asking my family about this the next day, my mother recalls something slightly different. She remembers waking up to the dogs and red light and seeing a fully formed shadowy figure standing above my dad she apparently jumped out of bed and gathered all my other siblings who were closer to her bed than i was and protected them together on a different bed i mean if i was this kid i'd be like uh mom why did you not also yeah. grab me <laughs> oh, i'm just teasing by the time she grabbed them all and turned around for my dad the figure was gone and the lights and the dogs had stopped my mother, being very religious, was convinced a demon had come for us in the night, but I personally think we were visited by aliens. That's a huge huh. pendulum swing yeah. <laughs> from one side to the other, but I like it. Um, the rest of the vacation went normally, and eventually we were all able to relax and have fun. Thanks for reading. Huh. That's a cool story. Yeah. We've got some shadow people up in here. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of the time that I went putt-putting with the family when I was younger in Florida because we were on some sort of family vacation. And uh, my mom was walking down the sidewalk. We, we were done, and she was walking down the sidewalk back to the car, and she screamed and grabbed me and tossed me in front of her because there was a snake on the sidewalk. Uh, so she basically used me as a yeah, human shield. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> she, to this day, refuses to believe that that's the case. She doesn't remember it at all. And I'm like, well, I remember it because you threw me on top of a snake. Yeah, exactly. Well, this next story I have is called A Card Game with a Ghost. Hey, Jess and Bowser. Feel free to use my name. It's Mike. I will try not to make this story too long. In the summer of 1986, when I was five, my family moved into a home in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. We lived there for 14 years, and it was super haunted. The house was a quaint little bungalow built in the 1950s. When we first moved in, it seemed like any other house in the neighborhood. Then about three months after we moved in, Strange things started occurring. 
At first, objects would fly off the kitchen counter with a great force when no one was in the room. Then, our alarm clocks would be set either hours ahead or behind in the middle of the night. Finally, after a year, I saw the ghost. I have two older sisters, and one night we were all watching TV in the basement. The house had a finished basement, and us kids watched TV down there. I went to the kitchen to get a snack, and when I was headed back downstairs, I passed what I thought was the younger of my two sisters. However, when I got to the basement, they were both still watching TV on the couch. It went on like this for years. The ghost was more playful than malevolent. Now and then, I would see the little girl at the foot of my bed or walking down the hallway. Everyone but my dad had an experience in that house. By the time I was a freshman in high school, both my sisters had moved out, so I got the attic bedroom, which was almost the whole third floor. At the end of my bed, I had an old sea chest my grandparents had given me that I stored extra blankets and such in. One evening, I went to bed and had left a deck of cards stacked on top of the chest. The next day, when I woke up, I saw that someone had been with, had been with locating a game of solitaire with the deck. There may be some typos in there. At the time, I did not know how to play solitaire. The only other people in the house were my parents, whose room was on the first floor. Also, the hallway leading to my room had a loud creak in the floor as you approached, and I'm a very light sleeper. My mom once got to talk to Sylvia Brown about it, and she said we were haunted by a little boy. But after... Oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, totally. But after what she said to Amanda... Barry's mom, I hold little belief in her psychic abilities. I don't know what the Amanda Barry, Sylvia Brown story is. I only know Sylvia Brown from, uh, from was it Dr. Phil? She was always on somebody's. Yeah, I think it was Dr. Phil. Anyway, I hope you like the story. Uh, interesting. Uh, now I want to look up cool. what this Amanda Barry story is. She must have uh, given someone the wrong information. Oh, I guess she well, falsely predicted that Amanda Barry um was dead when she turned out not to be. Oh, okay. Well, that's a big mistake. On Montel Williams. Oh, Montel. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, this one comes from Materia Madness. I've been wanting to write this as a listener story since back in the Bizarre States times, but I just never got around to it. So here's my story. Now, when I was younger, 8 to 12, my brothers were in their teens and out causing a stir around town, and I was at home playing my PS1. (laughs) Excellent choice. (laughs) One of their favorite things to do was to go to a cemetery and play with a Ouija board. Oh, I don't know. That sounds like fun, too. And then grab some souvenirs from a grave, such as a balloon or a pinwheel. Obviously, they ended up bringing some stuff back, and it started pretty harmless. First off, there was one pinwheel that always spun in the room with no wind or anything. As a little kid, that fascinated me, and I didn't think anything of it. After a while, it started feeling really weird in the room, just kind of an off feeling, and when I would go in and there and take a nap, I would have extremely vivid dreams of burning or f- a free-fall feeling. That's Vivid dreams of burning's no fun. Yeah. A little while later, I started hearing noises up against the wall, like a small scratch or a knock, which I attributed to it being an older house. But then one night I was watching TV in my room and all of a sudden the door slammed open and closed the TV. Oh, wait. The, all of a sudden the door slammed opened and closed. The TV turned off and on and the hall lights flickered. At this point, I knew there was something else going on. These occurrences happened a few times with the lights and doors moving before I told my mom about it, and she got a priest to come and bless the house and got on to my brothers about what they were doing. After that, it calmed down a bit, but I feel like there is still something in the house as I had another experience that was definitely odd. 
uh, I think this is still the same story, yeah. My brothers moved out when I was 14 and I moved into their room as it was bigger than the one that I was in. I had one of, one of two friends come over and help me move my stuff and we stayed up playing games for a while afterwards. Before we went to sleep, I was explaining to them all of the stuff that happened in the room before and jokingly told them if something messes with them tonight, don't wake me up because I've had my fair share of experiences. We fell asleep, and at 2 a.m., I got woken up to the sound of someone running and screaming, help, but I could not move. I was in a paralysis, and the screaming and running got louder until it was right outside of my window, and then I just stopped, and I, and then I just stopped, and I could move again. I guess they mean maybe the screaming stopped hmm. and they could move again. A week or two later, I was sleeping in there, and my mom was in her room, and I guess she was praying, and I came in and threw something at her to stop her. And then backed away and went back into the room. She followed me directly after to see why I did that, probably throw something at your mm -hmm. mother, and found me passed out on the floor like how I was sleeping before. And after realizing I was asleep, she realized she'd never heard the door open and close, but I had went through huh. the door. Interesting. Lastly, after this stuff happened, I wasn't home so much being a teenager, but things calmed down in the house. And I remember up until I moved out every night at 3 a.m., music and the sounds of a party would come out of the vents and it was a calming sensation. Well, that's pretty cool. Oh. This is just some stuff I used to experience, but I thought I would put it out there. Everyone stay safe and spooky during this time. Safe and spooky. Oh, and then there's a separate note. It says, I should note that the party was like music from the 50s and the sounds of it like if you were in a large room and everyone was talking and you couldn't make it out perfectly and there were glasses clink clinking and pretty pretty great stuff yeah that's like some haunted mansion vibes like the big yeah. feast in haunted mansion everybody dancing yeah, i kind of dig that my next story is called i may have been a preteen jedi <laughs> i'm very curious to see where this goes Hi, Jess and Bowser. I'm so happy to have you guys back. I've been on the Bizarro listener story waiting list for a few years now. Whoa. Like many of us, ever since I was little, I love Star Wars. I didn't have the best childhood, though, so the movies became a beloved form of escapism. I was about 11 when the original trilogy was butchered, then re-released in theaters. I loved it because I got to spend the summer sneaking in to watch them over and over. I would imagine that if I could train to become a Jedi, then Luke... Han and Leia would pick me up on the Falcon and take me away to a better life. So like any kid with an active imagination, I was always trying to move shit around with my mind. Oh my God, he's Ray. He or she is Ray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like waiting for them to pick me up and take me to a better life. Totally. Not starting to develop my Jedi power. Nothing happened until one night when I had to go with my mom and wait around until her AA meeting was done. I went to a lot of them with her. Many were held in church spaces. This one was sort of a mega church with a big fancy Sunday school building. I went in to explore as usual. I came across a bathroom with one of those attached lounge areas. The lounge area had a couch, sink, etc. The actual toilet was separated by a swinging door. It was the only room that had electricity turned on, so I thought it'd be a good place to practice my Jedi training. I took my mood ring off. It was a silver ring, real silver, not plastic. And I put it on the end table by the couch closed my eyes, and concentrated on using the Force. I had my eyes closed for about 10 minutes. When I opened them, the ring was gone, to my surprise. I was all excited and looked over to the sink counter where I had pictured it moving, but it wasn't there. I looked everywhere in that damn bathroom but couldn't find the ring. Finally, on my fourth or fifth search, I found it laying on the floor behind the toilet. There was no way it could have rolled off the table and gotten there on its own. For one thing... 
The swing door separating the two areas didn't have a gap large enough that it could have fit through, and I easily would have heard it if it somehow fell off and then rolled over there. I was always a hopeful skeptic, so I was stumped, but I chose to believe that I really could be a Jedi. That or some ghost saw me sitting in the bathroom like an idiot and decided to fuck with me. I tried moving. Either one is yeah, either one fantastic. is great. You're either a Jedi or there was a ghost just kind of helping you out. I tried moving things a lot after that, but the only results I got were while I was outside, so it wasn't a controlled environment. Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Wow, that's, that's a good I, story. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Uh, when I saw the headline, I thought, "Well, how is that going to be spooky? Being a Jedi?" But now it makes sense. That's yeah, fantastic. no, I did. I like that one. That's a good one. All right, I've got. Well, I think we've got time for one more, and then we'll we'll sign All off. Right, cool. Um, this is from Vanispheres in the Discord. So when I was in college, I took a class called Alternate Realities and Consciousness. Oh my god, that sounds like an awesome class. <laughs> which was a fun way of saying paranormal psychology. Fuck yeah, man! What college did you go to? Because I want to go yeah. there. <laughs> It was a great mix of guest speakers who said they experienced things like ghost encounters or being probed by aliens. Just to get it out of the way, the probe went in their nose, according to them. Okay. (laughs) Nice. And with things like how group think works and shared memories. The class capped with a tour by the San Antonio Ghost Hunters Association of the most haunted locations in downtown San Antonio. We hit up one of the most common spots, which is the men. I, I might be saying this incorrectly, but Menger or Menger, huh. M-E-N-G-E-R, hotel. But the rest was just us walking around downtown and the guy saying that this spot is haunted, but then didn't go into a lot of detail as to why. Like he would just point to an alley and say that ghosts had been seen there, but then we just kept walking. So pretty sure he was just making shit up. By the end, he asked the group what we thought it was the most common thing heard by ghosts. You get the normal stuff like get out, boo, and help. But then he said, you're all wrong. The most common thing is, oh, God, this is killing me to say it. Was up? Oh, my gosh. Because you ever in those situations when you know the storyteller was wanting a big laugh but is instead met with absolute silence? That happened. Huh. Also, there were no refunds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's the end of the story. That's great. I like it because it's ridiculous. I guess we can fit one more in really quick. Okay, let me do a quick one from Hard Shine. Okay. So a strange house on Gladstone and Barranca Street used to be my home. I don't know what town this is in. I won't tell you exactly which one, but let's just say it's an assisted living now. And Oakdale Mortuary is across the street. And yeah, when I lived in it, it was on an acre of land that my dad sold, so it could have also had homes on either side of it. That place is so haunted, I've seen massive orbs careening across the street to strange lights in the field behind the house when it was on an acre. Four of my brothers and sisters, including me, have been held down in our beds. The house constantly had cars flying through the fence and smashing into it due to the busy intersection. Oh, that's scary but was also never damaged due to it being made of brick and stone. What's coincidental is my mom used to take in elderly and run an assisted care living center there when I was growing up. Now it's one again. There have been so many good and bad deaths in that house's seven bedrooms. I remember when Oakdale had nothing but a fence instead of a wall, the things you'd hear and see at night. I don't understand what that means. All my four boxers, I'm assuming dogs, were constantly on high alert when I was a boy there. None of my friends could make it through the night, and my pops was often driving them home super late at night, probably for sleepovers. 
One entity I saw and felt there was a lightning snake. The best way I can describe it, it would wander the halls at night. And as I got older, I could only feel it and no longer see it. But if you touched, if it touched you, it would lock you up. I remember hmm. seeing an episode of Paranormal Lockdown and the camera picked up something slithering that made me remember having to deal with that as a five-year-old. It didn't help that every damn closet in the home had mirror slider closets. Trying to get up and sprint to the restroom took courage. The hallway used to be the back patio before they added three bedrooms. And I could remember the cold concrete slab and lime green patio light that stayed connected as the hallway light. The things there also bothered the elderly when we were there. The constant sundowners was so bad. I don't know what a sundowner is. The constant sundowners. Well, sun, so bad. I, I think that means. Uh, let me look it up before I say it. But I watched a film yeah. recently that that uh, used that term. Let me. Uh, yeah, I'll finish out the story and then let me know. The constant sundowners was so bad. My mom had to hire someone to work at night, and they never stayed long. The living room had one of those ornate wood surrounded TVs with the white Turner knobs behind the adjustment door. I was always getting scolded by an old lady that told me to stop changing the channel, and I would tell her that I'm not touching it. So when I looked at the adjustment knobs, you could see them turning by themselves. I tried to fight one in the other direction, but gave myself a bad burn from the friction and the teeth on the knobs. Mm. I stopped using that TV after a while, and I write down more as I delve into the memories. And that's kind of where it ends. The uh, Yeah, the term sundowning refers to a state of mind that can occur in elderly people that are suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's where they experience a state of confusion in the late afternoon spanning into the night that can cause anxiety, aggression, ignoring directions and can lead to pacing or wandering. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, Yeah, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, I watched... uh, There's been a few horror films that that have kind of explored that as an allegory uh, for horror themes there was a movie called the visit m night Shyamalan did and then a movie called the taking of deborah logan and then a new movie called relic and they all have to do with people suffering from dementia and they have characters experiencing sundowning got it wow well on that note uh awesome lister stories you guys yeah and it's good to read them again yes and i'm so happy to be back i can't wait to like pick up the pace again and at least have at least one month of normalcy before i leave again but you know once this one's done once 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 the second half of this is finished um a will be some cool shit for you to see (laughs) soon and then also b uh i'll be we'll be back to normal yeah but if nothing else it's something to um Bowser's doing a great job, and so is Aristotle, and it's something to do during COVID. Yeah, so it's been a nice, uh, it's provided some nice structure during an unstructured time. Totally. So if you guys are interested in sharing your listener stories with us and or you just want to reach out and talk and join our community, if you want, you can join my Discord server and hang out in the uh, Untold Hour section. To do that, I would just go to my Twitter handle. It's the easiest. I've got everything saved up at the top as a pinned tweet. So just go to at Jessica Chobot on Twitter and look at the pinned tweet, and that should bring you also to the Discord channel invite. And you should just be able to get in that way. Um, and since you're already in Twitter, you might as well check out the Untold Hour tweet 
which is uh, or Untold Hour Twitter, which is at Untold Hour Pod. That's where we post all of our updates for new episodes coming out, anything that I see that's weird out on the road, stuff that Bowser wants me to post, things of that nature. Bowser, we got to get you on that too. I know. And then if you want to join our Facebook group, um, go ahead and head on over to... Uh, actually, you want to search bizarre. I'm doing this. This is terrible. I'm like, always fuck this up because we have so much socials. <laughs> I should just make... You know what I should do is we should just pre-tape an end cap yeah. that runs through all the socials properly. And then we'll just paste that to the back of every uh, episode. But we haven't done that yet. So instead... I'm going to mumble my way through this uh, to join our untold hour group on Facebook. Just go and search the untold hour podcast group, put in your request to be a member. I randomly throughout, well, I'll be doing it more often since I'm home now, but I randomly throughout go on there and accept everybody. Um, this is usually where we post show notes when we're both home doing this. But uh, recently I've just been posting other people's posts. So um there's been some really cool uh, things on there, though, that I've really enjoyed. And then I think last but not least, we do have an Instagram page where you can send us your listener stories to as well. Uh, our email for that is theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Um, and then if you want to follow the Instagram page, it is just the untold hour, and uh, you get updates, randomness, what have yeah. you there as well. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to make a more professional end cap to, to do this because I stumble through it every every time. But um, hey, it's good to be back, everybody. Uh, please cross your fingers that I don't have to do jury duty on my yeah. one month off because that's complete bullshit. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, this is yay. Good to have you back. Yay! I'm happy to see your face. Yeah, same here. Should I give us through a- through? Through our our quick our, for, what are we on Zoom? Zoom. Trusty Zoom. old Zoom. Trusty old Zoom. Should I give us our sign off? Yeah, go for it, man. All right. This has been Andrew Bowser and Jessica Chobot, and you've been listening to the Untold Hour. Bye. Bye. Star Avenue, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.